Bokar Tov, good morning, welcome back. Let us learn today. We are starting uh, the Shira. We're in the what and why of prayer, and we're taking a look today at Kriyashma. We spent a lot of time going through the preambles, a lot of the details before now with the preambles. Now, Kriyashma is one of the most significant elements of our davening on a daily basis, the thrice daily. Um, we say Kriyashma in the morning, in the evening, and Kriyashma Lameta, very important topic. Let's start off. First of all, I want to say I'd like to thank. Yitzhak and um, Barbara Siegel, um, who are sponsoring uh, for the, um, the Aliyah Neshama of Yitzhak's sister who passed away, um, Bat Sheva Yisraelevi, Bat Sheva Bas Yaakov Halevi, Nishmasa Eden, she should have a, a continued that, Lichter Gagan Eden. And also today is the wedding of Rachel Gelnick, just in a few hours. I want to thank Alan and Barbara Wexelbaum for sponsoring, and Be'ezra Sashem, it should be Bashar, Tov Matzlacha, should be a good, healthy, wonderful hour Ezra Hashem, looking forward to celebrating together. Amen. So let's let, let's jump straight into our, to our learning today, folks. So the Kriyashma is complex. It has lots of details. It, uh, there, there's a lot of what's, a lot of why's, a lot of pieces to it. We're not going to be able to do everything, but you're certainly going to introduce something. So let's try at the very beginning. So a few basics. So when is Kriyashma read? Most people are generally aware of this, but it's good to be more specifically aware of this. Kriyashma in the morning is read. Um, best case scenario would be the way we do it on Shavuos, which is we read it just before Neitzachama, before sunrise, and then we, in order to facilitate saying the Amidah with sunrise. Most people are not doing that on our regular Shabbos, except for Eliezer. Um, but, uh, but, but this is, uh, the, the, the rule is that one should be trying to do it in such a way to get to facilitate that. If that's not possible, then the second, it is important to finish it before Three hours into the day. One of the reasons for that the Gemara explains is that the, uh, is that the Torah says, B'shoch b'chavu the time you're getting up, the time that people are getting up. When are the most pampered of people getting up? The Gemara says, B'nei Melachim, is up till three hours in the day. It doesn't mean regular three hours, it means relative three hours. So a relative hour these days is more than 60 minutes because you measure from sunrise to sunset, divided into 12. You have your relative hours. Today it's around 70-something minutes per relative hour because of just the length of the day. Three hours um, in, into the day is, uh, is, would be the time. So to these days it's in the nines, so one has to be more careful because sunrise is so early. That time is earlier in the day, so one has to be careful to ensure that one's saying Kriyashma Bizman. After that, can one say it? One can certainly say it, but it's like you're reading the Torah. It's not like you're doing the Mitzvah Kriyashma. So you have lost that opportunity. There's no makeup option. There's no, there's no makeup test. There's no saying a second Kriyashma later on. That was gone. Um, for, the, for the evening, um, one can say Kriyashma from Tzaysa Kochavim, from the time that the stars are out. Best case before Chatzos, before midnight, if not all the way through the night. That's the topic of the first Mishnah in Brachos. Um, it is worthwhile noting that every Mincha Marev that a regular shul will be doing, which is a Mincha Marev in convenience, which is um, Shkia is the dividing line between Mincha and Marev, all works very fine for Marev, but, and for the Amidah it doesn't work for Kriyashma, which means that every night, that, that, that if a person is davening Bizman, on the Zman time, one would have to repeat Kriyashma every single night because it doesn't work. It doesn't work from the time of Shkia. That's not the, that's not the timeline for Shema. Shema's timeline says... Why do we only give the reminder on Friday? Right, so it's a good question. So we should really have a reminder in the announcements every day because Kriyashma does not count before Tzayz HaKochavim and our Marivs are certainly nowhere near Tzayz HaKochavim. Just being aware of that. So when one says Kriyashma Lamita, it's a good idea to do all three paragraphs of the Shema in Kriyashma Lamita to make up for that. Just... Um, um, Eitzah, Tova, Kamashalana, good idea. 
What happens, do, do I need to understand Kriyashma? So we are very blessed to, generally speaking, be coming from a community that has gone to day school, has gone to, had a yeshiva education. But let's say one doesn't fully understand every word. The truth is, is that one does not, one still fulfills one's obligation. Now one should aspire to learn every word. However, um, one does need to actually know, understand the first pasuk. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. One needs to know what one's saying. If one doesn't know or if one didn't have kavana, one needs to repeat it. The first part of the Kriyashma, that's how significant it is in Halacha as well. Um, how is it to be read? So there's an interesting Halacha, which is the topic of the, at the beginning of the second parak of Brachos, where it talks about the idea is you need to be able to say Kriyashma in a way that it should be heard to your ear. It doesn't mean to say heard across the street. That's, that's, a, that's a different style. But the point is you need to actually be saying it, articulating it in a way that you yourself can hear yourself speaking. Now, if you don't do that, as long as you are articulating it, um, it, you still are Yodzei, we Paskin, but you need to be able to, to the best, best case scenario, saying it in a whisper enough that you can actually hear it itself. And it works as well with one's thought process. The more one actually articulates something, the more one's actually thinking about it. The more one is murmuring it, or so to speak, you know, just in, on the subconscious, you know, cruise control, then one's mind is elsewhere. So the more one is using one's actual mouth, to say something, the less one can think about other things and one can be focused. Just a general, a general um, perspective. Now, um, is there a difference if I do Shema with the community or not? The answer is not really because you have an obligation to say Kriya Shema whether you're with the community or not. Although it is best to say with the community, certainly the Shema itself, the first part of Shema. Um, but if one is alone, one has to add in three extra words at the beginning, and that is Kel Melech Neiman, which is the acronym of Amen. One adds these three words in, says the Shulchan Aruch, for a simple reason. Because Kriya Shema has a total of, how many words? 245. 245. We, the Chazan will repeat the last three words, Hashem Elokeichem Emes, to add up to 248, corresponding to 248 limbs of the body. Um, but if a person is not in a community and that repetition is not made, then it is crucial that one has those extra three words, and it is added at the beginning, which is the Kel Menech Neeman. Now for me, it's always a funny thing, because... Usually people are waiting for me, not, not always, but usually um, people are waiting for me, so I never get to really even say that. But let's say you know, so I always will say the regular, the regular Kriyashma, but sometimes there's situations where you know you're always going to miss it. You're always going to miss the, the, the chazan. Do you say Kalman and It's a good question. Now, what happens if I left out a word? So I'm saying Kriyashma and I, don't, and, I, and, I don't, and I left out a word. What do I do? I should return to the beginning of that Pasuk, not just the way that word is. Yeah. One shouldn't do it if one's not in, in doesn't need to because it's a hefsek. In fact, the, the, the group of people who, who actually say the bracha with the chazan of is, is in order to avoid the amen. So that's the significance of one should not be doing that if, um, if unnecessary. Now, what happens if I don't remember where I'm up to, which is a very possible, a very uh, possible situation. It's an early morning, it's a late night. And I don't know where I'm up to. So um, in that case, one would have to return to the beginning of the paragraph if one doesn't know where one's up to in the paragraph. But this is a more common situation. Is what happens if you, you've just said the word uvisha uh, arecha on your gates? And what's the question you have in your mind? Is it the second or the first? Right. Am I in the second paragraph or the first paragraph? Because that pasuk is almost verbatim repeated about putting up mezuzahs. So let's say I'm saying uvisha arecha. And I have no idea if I'm in the first paragraph, the second paragraph. I've been on cruise control up till now. Suddenly I wake up, right? I put my foot on the brake. And now I suddenly realize that, that I don't even know which paragraph I'm in. So in that case, 
The halacha is when we return to the beginning of the second paragraph. Why? One has to assume minimally that one got to the end of the first paragraph, which was, ends with the word Uvisharech, I want to continue from there as well. Very, very likely situation which, which would occur. Okay, so just a few, a, few, a few pointers in terms of the what. Now some of the why. Let's just delve into the, to the why. Why is it that, where, where's the obligation of Kriya Shema come that we said on a daily basis? It is not davening. It is not tefillah. Anshay Knesset Agdola did not make Kriya Shema. In fact, we were saying Kriya Shema long before Anshay Knesset Agdola ever came around. We were saying Kriya Shema from the times of Sinai. So it predates any of the fixed prayers that we have. It is the earliest we'll call part of the prayer, but it's not really even a prayer. It's its own obligation called the Kriyashma. So where does it come from? We assume that because it's in the Tefillah, it's davening. Well, there's different parts of davening. This is one of the earliest parts of davening. Where does it come from? So the answer is, well, the Torah itself tells us to do it. Meaning to say the instruction manual is included in it. Why? Because, the Torah, because in the first two paragraphs, it tells us that when are we supposed to be doing this when you get up and when you go to sleep. So the, uh, the minimal understanding is that it refers to, maximal could be referring to learning Torah, but minimally it refers to Kriya Shema itself. So as the Ramam says, the beginning of the Hilchus Kriya Shema in source one, you need to read it at least twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, once in the morning. So Torah has told us to do these paragraphs every morning and every evening, or, or rather every evening and every morning as the Jewish day works. So if we don't know why, the answer is because the Torah told us to do so. How do we know? Because we read about it every time we read Kriyashma. That's minimally. That's, that's in terms of the obligation. Now, why, the why of the obligation requires, requires a little bit more expansion. So why do we have... What is the meaning of the Shema? Let's uh, take it a little piece by piece. So we, the first pasuk is the most famous part of the uh, most famous idea, which is the Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad, which we have these six words which many Jews have died with on their mouths throughout the course of Jewish history. What, what is the meaning of the Shema itself? So it seems that the most basic idea is unity of Hashem, the last word, Echad. The Hashem is, is unified, and we're saying that the Hashem and the Elokeinu is Echad. Right? That Hashem and Elokeinu is Echad. What is the meaning of Hashem? What is the meaning of, of, of Elokeinu? So most, most, one of the ideas is Rachmim and Din. So usually what would happen is in the old world, in the ancient world, when you'd see, let's say, that you'd feel benef- the, the beneficence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So you'd feel it was a good day, the crops were growing, the, the family was healthy, everything like that. You'd say, Hashem, you're so, you're so good to us. You have so much rachamim on us. Fast forward a year and the crops are bad. And God forbid somebody's ill and, and there's, there's drought in the armies. And you'd say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's the din of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how could this happen? So in the old world, you know what people would say? There's two, fo- there's two folks up there. Dualism, right? So, the, so, so the, there's the, the forces of good, the forces of evil that are at war. This year, good is winning. This year, bad is winning. And, we, and, and uh, unfortunately, we're the, we're, we're the victims of circumstance of, of the good versus the evil. And we speak like this sometimes. Sometimes we, so to speak, preclude the Rebona Shalom from the picture saying, Why me? Why now? Why this? Right? So, Shema Yisrael is trying to say that all of that, 
all of the good and the bad, the, the, the justice and the, and the mercy, all of it comes down up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu Zechod. That's what we, we're announcing. So, and re- reflecting on the idea that our davening, our tefillah, is not about global events, but rather about the events specifically in the few hours that we're referring to, what we're, we're saying is, is that in the next few hours, between Kriyashma and Kriyashma, so I have a good now, I don't know, let's give it eight, ten hours. So in the next eight, ten hours, I'm trying to say to myself, when the tire bursts, that's also Hashem. Right? That's what we're trying to, to announce to ourselves, is that the unity of HaKosh Baruch Hu now, that's what seems to be happening. Rav Hirsch actually makes a very beautiful point, is, is that the word Echad is actually spelled in the Torah, if you're a Baal Kore, it has a big Dalad, right? So the Dalad is, is spelled large. Um, and he says that it's interesting that there's another word which is very, very similar to the word Echad, which is also spelled with a la- large last letter, and that is Acher, other. And in fact, in, in, in Shmois it says, Ki acher. You should not bow down to other, the, um, other powers, Le'el Acher, to other powers in the world. And there the Reish of the Acher is also spelt with a, with a last large, a, a, a large letter, which is the Reish. Says Rav Hirsch, if you look at the symbolism between Acher versus Echad, they're opposite in meaning, right? Acher means other. There's another force. Echad means it's all unitary. It's all coming down to one point. His observation is, is the following. He says that um, um, the, uh, in, so, in, the, in the second source, fifth line down, the Reish in, a, in Acher, which stands for polytheism, is pliantly rounded, while the sharp angular Dalad in Echad represents a sharp refutation of any ide- alien ideology. Look how he's talking about the shape reflecting the ideology itself. Take away a small sharp angle and the word echod becomes acher. The large dalad, when joined with the prominent ayin in shma forms the word aid, meaning testimony and witness. This is quite appropriate for the content of shma is a testimony given by Israel to Israel and everyone who utters it. By doing so, points himself, God's witness, to his own person and to the world. So think what we're saying then, essentially. He's saying, Shema Yisrael, who's talking? Us. Who are we talking to? Us. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. The Dalad and the, 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 the Ayin, the Shema and the Dalad. Because remember, the Ayin is also enlarged over there. Is, is the aid, is the witness um, of the Ayin and Dalad. That what? That everything comes to one point. As opposed, as opposed to sort of the more we'll call it laissez-faire attitude to the world, the race, to everything. There could be other forces that are at play and we don't understand where they come from and we, we ignore them. Very interesting observation in terms of what we're trying to say in Shema Yisrael. Uh, why is it so significant? And the race the of the Dalit actually resemble each other. They're very similar, exactly. He says it's very easy. What Hirsch is essentially saying is it's very easy to make that, that, that slip. It's very easy. That's perhaps why the Torah enlarges both of them, to, uh, to accentuate the fact that they're so similar. And that's why we need to, to observe. There's other reasons why the data could be enlarged, but this is one very fascinating observation. Now, just in, just in case we ever think that we understand everything, and we think we got, we got, we got, we got these sukkim covered, I just want to just give you a little, bit of de- de- just a little bit of depth as to how little we know about this. This is from a book called Jewish Meditation by Rabbi Arya Kaplan. Rabbi Arya Kaplan did, wrote many, many things. And one of the things he also did was he translated the book of Sefer Yetzirah, and he, which talks about the letters of the alphabet. And he points out the following observation. Again, this just gives us a little bit of depth into how much we don't know. There is also another important element in the Shema as meditation, and it concerns the actual spelling of the word. The first word, Shema, is spelled Shin Mem Aleph, uh, Ayin, 
In Sefer Yitzira, the Shin and Mem are described as two letters of mother, two of the three mother letters. What that means, not for right now. It is easy to understand why Shin and Mem are important. The Shin has the sound of Sh or S, and hence, or of all the letters in the alphabet, it is the sound closest to white noise. White noise is a sound that contains every possible wavelength and is usually heard as a hissing sound. On an oscilloscope, the sound would appear as a totally chaotic jumble with no structure whatsoever. So if you're watching that letter being recorded, it's like white, white sound, white noise. Then what happens is the opposite of white noise is the pure harmonic sound, which is the hum, like the sound of a tuning fork. On the oscilloscope, this would appear as a perfect wavy line, the epitome of order and regularity, the sound of the mem. So it goes shh, right? So you understand there's white noise moving into the perfect the perfect wave. The shin thus represents chaos, the mem <coughs> represents harmony. The Saviour Sirius says that the shin represents fire while the mem represents water. The shin denotes a hot chaotic state of consciousness while the mem denotes a cool harmonic state. This is significant since in the many meditative traditions the mm sound is seen as one that leads to tranquility and inner peace. So what he's saying is that in the Shema itself, what we're essentially doing, and if you think about it, that's the whole point of the first, the first line of the Kriya Shema is, we're taking all that white noise, all the details, all the granule details of our life, so white noise, mm, comes down to a singular, a singular wave, which can be measured, right? It's, it's this idea of harmony in life, and that's essentially what the Shema is doing. What Arya Kaplan is saying is, even in the very sounds of the letters itself, this idea is being encapsulated, the iron being, of course, the 70 uh, Torah, all fra uh, fragments, but it's silent. So it, it, there's a lot to be said. We should never think that we've really ever reached the end of understanding these ideas. There's so much more. He's talking on a meditative level. He's saying the sounds itself convey the same message as the ideas. Yes, John. Um, we focus on the word Echad and Shema. Rabbi Foreman has a talk, The Tale of Two Pharaohs. Yes. Yes, so Ralph Foreman actually has the thing I wasn't going to mention now, but it's worthwhile noting. His, his question is the following is if Jews would die with the, li the line Shema Yisrael Hashem on their, on their mouths, he says then really the first two of these six words are, 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 are insignificant. Because really it should, you should be saying Hashem Hashem that's what you should be saying. So why the introduction? Why is, listen no Israel, what happens if the guy is being tortured, God forbid, and he's on the, you know, he's on the rack in the, in the Spanish Inquisition, and they're torturing to death and his bones are cracking, and he says Shema Yisrael and he dies, then he missed the main point. Right, that's, that's Rav Foreman's question. So he points out that apparently Shema itself is a significant part, or perhaps even more significant, the notion of hearing of Israel as part of the actual acknowledgement, not just Hashem Ken Hashem Echad. So, and he, he has many proofs as to why that is, why hearing in Judaism is more significant than seeing in Judaism, why it is that at Har Sinai it was all about hearing, not seeing, because when you see, you see in one moment, and when you see in one moment you make mistakes because you make assumptions, whereas hearing is sequential, I need to hear the whole perspective in order to be able to, to, be able to get to the, the full picture, and that's what Judaism is. Anyways, a lot, lot, lot to think about, a much larger op, uh, um, topic, worthwhile listening to that, that, that particular share I, um, um, of the two fairs which our foreman has. But there's a game. Rabbi Akiva, the Echad is played up, and the Brachas is played up. Correct, correct. Question, the question of the Gemara and Brachas is, why didn't Rabbi Akiva die? Yeah. That should have been the later on. Okay, but be it as the main. Now, the, the, so the question is, why do we cover our eyes? Most basic reason the Shulchan Aruch says, because this is so important, 
You don't want to get distracted, right? You're looking around the room. Oh, Plony came to shul today. <laughs> like, well, there's a chosen in the room today. You know, I always love it when the glass, when the, when the sun comes to the glass, the, the same windows are just that angle, right? So these are all the things that are going through our mind. No, at this point in time, we want to make sure we got full kavon. That's what the, 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 the shulchan Aruch says. No, no fancy reasons, very basic. This is so significant, we want to make sure we're focusing for this as well. Sometimes even in action, doing something different helps us reawaken ourselves from our subconscious train. Now, um, the, the, it is worthwhile knowing that actually there is more to it. So as, as well as the Ben Ishchai um, in his Seder in Parshas Vayera, you know what the Ben Ishchai does? He's remarkable. He puts all the halachas into the parasha. So he has a, so to speak, he has a program where every week you learn the halachas of certain things. So in Vayera, he's talking about Hilchus Kriyashma. That's what he happens to be talking about it. He has a few, few machzorims. It's not just one cycle. So in, 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 this, in this particular um, uh, part of Vayera Shishi, he says, um, you should cover your eyes even for Baruch Shem Kavod. His, his minag would be to cover your eyes even for the Baruch Shem Kavod. And he says, V'yesh soid badavar. He says there's a secret to the matter. There's something bigger than just Kavona. What is bigger than that? It's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of very interesting things. A lot of Kabbalistic ideas. Chabad is a lot of, a lot of Torah on this topic of covering the five of the hand and there's a lot of interesting Kabbalistic ideas. But suffice to say, there's one thing which, the, which is very basic, and that is the Chasm Sofa says. Let's, say, let's remind ourselves what we're talking about here. You're just making a statement about the world. And you're saying that everything in the world comes back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The dark, the light, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that comes to, in the world all comes down to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Well, does that actually, does that stim, does that, does that correlate with the reality that we see around us? Not really. Right? I mean, you say, we're, we're, we're making this prescription, but it's not necessarily a description yet. Because the world around us is complex and is bad and it's, com- and it's complicated. So what we're saying is like this. This is the hope for the world I, I, I want to see. When I take my, eye, my hand away, it's not always what I do see. But I'm covering my eyes because that's the, the aspiration of what the world should look like. It should be easier for me to see what I'm saying. But I can't necessarily always see it that way. That's what the Chasim Sofa says when we cover our eyes as well. Which is why we also whisper Baruch Shem, Baruch Shem or relates to this aspirational note in the place of Kavod Malchus, or Kadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus in the world, which we don't necessarily see, which is why the, the, the Ben Ishchai says one covers one's eyes for the Baruch Shem as well, which is not necessarily the Ashkenazi practice. Now, the Echad will notice that there is a, a custom which is brought in Shulchan Aruch as well, to Ma'arichin Be'echad. Now, most people actually make a little bit of a mistake and they marichin with the dalad, right? Well, sorry, the, the, the ches. It's not the ches, it's really the dalad. Why, why, why do you make an, a longer extension of the echad? The Shulchan tells us, we don't have to go any further than actual code of Jewish law. In source 6, He says you um, need to extend the ches in the, in the, in the, 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 the echad in order to um, uh, coronate HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the heavens and the earth. How he says, Shilazei roimez ha-chatoiterois shebeemtza ha-gag ha-ches. Then what are the chatoiterois? So if you look at a ches, which is written in the Sefer Torah print, essentially it is two Zions next to each other, and they are joined with a, they are different, different prints, different uh, scri- scribal prints in different nuschois are different. But generally speaking, it's two lines which form a roof between the two Zions. He says, so when we're saying Echad, the Ches is reminding us above and below, is what's being said over here. The Yarech Bedalad, the person should extend the Dalad. When a person says Echad, which is the unity of our Kodesh Baruch Hu, one should be thinking, Hashem is singular in His entire world, in every place of the world. 
And he rules in the four directions. The gematria of Dalad is four, right? But also the actual shape of the Dalad is like the axes, the X and Y axis, essentially, right? Which is why it is enlarged. Perhaps another reason is, is all space is included in these axes. Any point on the spectrum of space can be plotted between the X and Y axis. <coughs> <laughs> Some people have the minag to actually move their head in such a way. So they say, and as they're doing it, they move in all the directions as well. There's a story about the Lubavitcher River. <coughs> I remember a number of years ago, one of the Shamashim came to the yeshiva that I was in at the time, and he said that... Um, the Rebavitch Rebbe, once they, that once they, 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 they saw the Rebavitch Rebbe was davening Ma'ariv, and everybody said Kriyashman, so the, and so the Rebavitch Rebbe put his hand over his, over, his, over his face, and they saw that he didn't move. He used to always move. He used to move backwards, forward. This this practice the Shulchan talks about. He said they saw he didn't do that. So they were wondering what happens. And then about a minute later, he does it again, and this time he does it. So they realized that he had not yet caught up with the Shliach Tzibur when they first did Kriyashman. And the halacha is that if you hear... The, sh- the tzibur doing Kriyashma in most places in Davening, you also need to say Kriyashma, even in the middle of Pesukah de Zimra. Right? So the, the, so the Lubavitcher Rebbe had said, because of not seeming out of sync with the community, but that was not the time when he was Miyached Hashem, and not, that wasn't when he was focusing. Later on, when he actually got to it himself, that's when he was Miyached Hashem, which is when he moved his head. So there's, that's relating to this as well. Again, movement being, movement being a, a key component to thought process, right? If we're moving, we're thinking. If we're not moving, we're in subconscious um, 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 cruise control. So, a rib label. Uh, Why does it say, uh, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echod? It seems like only the mercy is one. Or should be, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Echod. Why, why it's an excellent it? question. It's an excellent question. Why do we repeat the name Yudke Vovke again? It is worthwhile noting that the name Yudke Vovke, the Shema Vaya, is a loftier name than the name Elokim. <laughs> Right, so Elohim is also a name which can be Chol. So, for instance, we say the word Elohim refers to courts, Elohim Chol. It refers to powers in the world. Elohim Acherim are the forces in the world. So, there are many forces in the world, and they sometimes can be marshaled by other powers or even attributed to other powers. Yudke Vavke is not that. Yudke Vavke is year, past, future, present, all melded together beyond time. And so in a certain sense, what we're saying is that those aspects of HaKosh Baruch Hu ultimately come back to Shema Vaya, which is all one. So you're right. They're, they're, it's it's where we're moving upwards in terms of, in, uh, upwards as an orientation in terms of HaKosh Baruch Hu. But you're right. It's bigger than that. Tabi? Yeah, the concept of saying meaning is without the way you are, even if you're in Habarabah. So there's a discussion as to, yes. So so um, in in the Birkos Kriyashma itself, there's a whole discussion as to Ben Prakim and also Be'emtza um, Prakim as well. I believe, and I just uh, I have not uh, I've not done the, the due diligence as to what beemtsa prokim of the of of the birkas kriyashma. I believe one would still say it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think one sometimes one says the words one saying aloud. I think it's better prokim one says the actual shmai and beemtsa prokim one says the words one is at 
covering one's eyes not to seem divergent from the community. You're supposed to sort of fake it. Yes. You know, not to be right, because imagine that somebody's looking in and, and everybody's saying, and this fellow is this fellow's doing his own thing. It looks a little bit like there's something um, uh, something off. So once you should say, I, I think, and again, I need to double check. I just, uh, I just learned this together with my son. Moments like this, that you're supposed to sort of be, like you're supposed to stand up. You're supposed to, the, 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 you're supposed to be, or you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be in, in sync with the tzibor, hundred percent. But in this particular case, it's more is more critical than any others because this is about saying Hakadosh Baruch Hu is 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 one in the world. So missing this really seems like you're missing the main the main the main focus, which is why it's significant. So I don't tell you, I'll double check that. But I, there's a difference between the Emsa and Ben Abrakim with us. But yes, one should certainly be doing this and so at least covering one of the eyes. Now, what is the meaning of the paragraph? So Ramosh talked about this. This is a mission in Bracha, so you don't have to go too far. This is not like later Kabbalistic Hasidic teach, teachings. This is the mission in Brachas tells us this. We need to know what we're doing. So the mission in Brachas tells us in Source 7, Amr Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha would say, some say that he is the son of Rabbi Akiva. Ben Karcha, Lama Kodma Shema Levahaya Im Shamaya. Why does Shema precede the second paragraph? Now, if we stop here, we, the, the obvious reason we could say is because. Because the paragraph of Kriyashma comes from Parashas Vayeschanan and the parasha of Vayim comes from Parashas Eke, which is the next parasha. So you could say it's sequential, it's, lo- it's, it's a logical pre- um, sequence. Is, but the, the Gemara says, the, the Mishnah says there's more to it than that. Elo Kedesh Yekabalolov Ol Malchus Shemaim, Tchilov Achagach Yekabalolov Ol Mitzvahs. The first paragraph is about receiving the yoke of heaven and the second paragraph is about receiving the Ol Mitzvahs. Where does the Mishnah see that in the actual paragraphs? Well, the first paragraph is with everything you have. Fantastic. The second paragraph starts a little bit differently. So you're going to keep my mitzvahs. The first paragraph didn't talk about mitzvahs per se. It gave an examples of mitzvahs. But it didn't actually say us. Then, if you do the right thing, rain. If you do the wrong thing, golos. And then, or then, then, then we have again tefillin and mezuzahs and and teaching our children. Right, that's what the second paragraph seems to be doing. So the mission is making the obvious observation that although there are some shared facts, the the divergence is is a kabbalas or mitzvahs. Now, if you think about this from a, from a perspective of relationships, Moish, this is uh, uh, this is your up your alley. If you think about this for a second. This is so significant in terms of any relationship. We have a relationship with the Rebona Shalom. It's very hard to have a relationship with a being who's, who is infinite, who we can't have a dialogue w- with. But the Torah, the, the, the Kriya Shema is trying to give us the tools for that relationship. The first thing we need in a relationship is love. The first thing we need in a relationship is that, is that, that overwhelming sense of, of, of connection. And when you're in love, you do all kinds of things for other people. Right? You give up your life. You give up your money. You get all. That's that's what the first part of pasuk of after is. But love alone is not good enough. Well, head over heel romance doesn't lead to very good relationships, right? Because the next day somebody has to take out the garbage and wash the dishes. Somebody's gonna have to pay the mortgage, and it's all very nice to be in love. But at the end of the day, tachlis, what's gonna happen? Where does where does the rubber meet the road? And that's what the the, the kabbalas omitzos. So it, let's say you have a relationship where all I have is love. It's going to be. It's going to. It's going to fall apart at some point in time. But if all I have is commitment, and we all, I take care of the tax return, you take care of of the bills, right? If that's all the relationship is without the love, then it's deficient. So, in our relationship with Hashem, <coughs> there has to be love of our Kodesh Baruch Hu. It starts from a place, but ultimately it needs to turn into commitment. It's the first and second step of any relationship. Is that is that wow experience? Imagine like you know that a, that a fellow is proposing to a girl. He gets down on his right knee, pulls out the ring, and he's on the harbor, and the sun is setting. It's so beautiful, and he says, "Will you marry?" And she says, "Who's paying for the hall?" It's like, "Aye, 
Oi, oi, oi. That's not a good relationship. Right now, that question has to be talked about. Right, but not while they're getting engaged. Vahavta is, they're getting engaged. Hakkadosh Baruch we love you. We want, we want you in our lives. The next paragraph is, is who's paying for the hall? Right, so, so what's that going to look like on a day-to-day basis? And that's why I'm Shomati Shmuel Misasai. So the question is, so where does the third paragraph come in? So let's hold that for a second. Let's come back to the third paragraph where that comes in. The Mishnah says, that's the combination that we need of the two. The Ramban says it's more than that. The Ramban says that another distinction between the two is not just the topic of mitzvahs and commitment, but the Ramban points out a, a very obvious detail, and that is, the difference between paragraph A and paragraph B is, is the first paragraph is addressed to an individual. The Ahavta, that's singular, you. Whereas the second paragraph is, I am Shemaya Tishmu, you plural. It's referring to the, to, to, to the plural, so to speak, entity of Israel. Similar topics, but now, now as, as, as a community. Why is that significant? So the, the, the Ramban says in source 10, the second line, he says by the, just after the brackets where it says, I mean, the explanation of this is, that Hashem will not facilitate all these blessings and curses. Hashem will only relate to what the community, what most people are doing is when there's going to be rain or there's going to be a drought. The individual has their own, so to speak, um, he has his own portfolio. The community, when it comes to rain and national interests, that depends on most people. So it would be, it would be foolish of us to say the following. Wait a second, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I am doing everything it says in the second paragraph of Kriyoshma. I'm doing all the mitzvahs, so why is there no rain on my field? The answer is, is because rain doesn't just come on your field. Rain affects the entire area. And if it affects the entire area, therefore everybody else is part of that, is party to that. And therefore it depends on your whole community. So it's not enough to sufficiently do, do, to, to correct yourself. What is your community doing? What is the area doing? That's what the second paragraph is saying. So we have our own portfolio. Communal happenings is Vayam Shomaya Tishmu as a plural. That's what Ramban says. If the community does everything, then these nisim will happen. And the whole community is sinning, is going after other wayward forces, then all of them will suffer. This is a profoundly complicated statement the Ramban is saying, which is, he's saying that only great tzaddikim, and by the way also great Roshayim, have what he calls very precise divine <coughs> providence. The regular people are pulled up in the communal um, providence as well. That's a very big statement, what he's saying. Now, yes, when it comes to death and life, the individual has providence, but when it comes to specific happenings, what he's saying is, unless you're a very, very special, a very, very terrible person, it's not going to be a rain or nisim are going to come to your specific territory, your specific land. That's a very, very, <coughs> a very profound statement, which requires a synthesis with the rest of the Ramban statements across Tanakh and beyond. It, there's essays written on this. Dr. David Berger has a very fascinating essay on trying to understand what the Ramban's perspective on 
hashkacha pratis on divine providence is. But put it, put it, put it, put over here. The way he also sees that rain works is not a natural occurrence. He looks at rain and goddess as nisim. He views every time it rains as a nase, and therefore you don't get rain on your own personal portfolio. You get it as a community. That's why I'm Shemaya Shmuel, and that's the way he's understanding. Just when we say the second paragraph of Kriyashma, that's a huge theological statement we are making about the, the nature of things in general. Um, the Ramban does also point out, he quotes the Sifrei, not, we're not going to quote it inside, but it is so shocking. He says the following, Why is it that in the first and second paragraph of Kriyashma, we talk about some common mitzvahs, and they're repeated? The first paragraph of Kriyashma, we say the mitzvahs, what are the main mitzvahs that we talk about? There's three that are shared between the first and the last. One is Tfilin, Mezuzah, those are the two shared, right? Ukshartam lo'esla yadecha, that's Tfilin, then Ukshartam lo'esla yadecha v'sharecha, that is Mezuzah, and then there's Torah, teaching children to our children. Right, teaching of Torah to our children. So um, the Ramban says, why, why are they repeated? So he quotes the right, Sifrei, who's famously quoted in Rashi, saying, is when in the second paragraph are those mitzvahs mentioned? In what context are they mentioned in the second paragraph? After the Pasuk it says, you're going to be destroyed from the land. Which means, what is the Torah really saying in the second paragraph of Kriyashma? Is even when you've now just been washed ashore on the shores of the Iberian Peninsula, a land very far away from your, from, your, from your own, with a different language, you're still doing the mitzvahs. That's what the Sifrei says. Meaning, Vahavta is in Israel. Vayam Shamaya is everywhere else. Why? Because that's what the paragraph says. Listen to me, rain. Don't listen to me, Golas. In Golas, keep doing the mitzvahs. That's what the Sifrei is essentially saying. And by the way, most of Jewish history is lived in the second paragraph. Think about that for a second, right? Almost 2,000 years now, we've been living in the second paragraph of still doing those mitzvahs. The Ramban makes a very strong statement, which he says that it's in order that we should be still practiced to do them when we return. Which means almost the Ramban statement over here, just to understand this, is that in a certain sense, it is still subpar doing them in Golas. It's in order to be able to get back to Leman to come back. To the land of Israel, just to understand how, how powerful that is. So there's many differences. There's the difference between the idea of, um, of love versus commitment, the idea of individuals versus community, and the, the theological differences between what we'll call global punishment or global reward, and there's the idea of Israel versus Chutzarites. These are all encapsulated in, in the paragraphs of the Kriyash, right? There's lots, there's a lot, there's a lot of depth over here. In, this, in Rav Soloveitchik's Siddur, in Source 12, he makes another observation over here. And he, he says that, that it's very important that when it comes to our Judaism and trying to preserve it, which is our goal, we're trying to make sure that we are the link in the chain. We, that's how we live. We want to make sure that our children and our grandchildren are talking about the same topics as our great-grandparents. Right? We want to make sure that we're still part of the chain. So he says in Source 12, um, skipping down to the fifth line, it says, while reading the Shema is an independent mitzvah, it must intrinsically include Torah study, because without it there is a deficiency in the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. Our worldview is defined by Torah study, through which we glimpse God's infinite mind, as it were. This point is exemplified by the statement of the Jerusalem Talmud by Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Shimon by Yochai. Those who are like us in their study need not pause from their study even for the recitation of Kriya Shema. The, st the study of, of Torah in its purest form is the greatest acceptance of the yoke of heaven. The special and uniqueness of Torah study that, that inheres is the, in the reading of Kriya Shema explains why Avarab with great love, the blessing immediately preceding the Shema constitutes a blessing on the Torah study. 
Because the Shema itself, he says, the very basis is Torah study, which is why the topic of the first two paragraphs is about teaching to the next generation. And that's, that's the call. Without that idea, without that idea, there's nothing to do to, to be had. There's nothing to talk to, uh, talked about. Um, there is a few differences between the first and second paragraph. One interesting difference is that in the first paragraph, when talking about commitment to Hashem, it's what are the three things? What do, what do they actually mean? So the Gemara in Brachas tells us, take a look and source um, 16 for a second. Just going to skip ahead the mission in Brachas. The Mishnah says, A person needs to bless on the good and the bad in their lives. With all your heart, with your two yitzarim. Because what's, how do you translate the word heart in Hebrew? Lev. So why is it levavcha? There's two bases there, right? That's not the correct translation. So the, the Gemara, is, the Mishnah is saying, there's a reason why the, the, the Torah added the extra base, levav, right? Two bases because with your good intention and with your di- divergent intention. Both of them need to be harnessed for HaKadosh Baruch with your whole nefesh. There's certain circumstances in Judaism where we're asked to, to, uh, to give our lives, and many of our ancestors have done that throughout the generations. What's Bukhol Moedecha? So the says, Bukhol What's Moed? Moed means a lot. So with all your a lot, that means to say all your money. So there's different halachas about this, but if a person is, is forced to transgress a negative commandment, a person is expected to give up all. Their assets in order to, to not to, to, to sacrifice this. Then the, the, another option is doesn't refer to your ma'oid as your wealth, but it refers to your midah. Whatever Hashem throws in your direction, you have to be modelai. That's what Bukhol Moidecha. Interesting, right? And that's the that's what the mission is saying, is the source text for saying a bracha on the Tov and the Ra. That's uh, is is uh, is in Kriyashma. He has an interesting point. You know what is missing from the second paragraph of Kriyashma? Is the third statement. When we read Krishma in, um, in the second paragraph, we says, we say, What's missing? There's no, there's no commitment on a communal level. There's no responsibility for that's, that's, that, that's the question. So that's the question that's asked. Okay, good question, right? So why, why, why do we, we miss out in the, in, the, in the second paragraph? So a few, a few observations, a few answers that are given. Um, one is the Meshech Achma, Rav Meshech Chodvinsk, in the top of page 6. He says, That's the according to Sifrei, which is the Mishnah in Brachas. Hapirush, what does this mean? What does Mo'oid mean? More means more than regular. Right, that means extra, additional. What does that mean? What does more mean? It's what a human being possesses more than an animal has. What does that mean? Look what human beings do. They do all kinds of crazy things. You know, uh, 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 it's like, you know, people, people go, um, by, you know, skydiving, right? You don't get animals <laughs> skydive, right? It's not, it's, it's not a thing. No animal puts themselves into those kinds of situations. Human beings do all these kinds of things. He says, Kamoi Kor, Vachom, Vatiltu, Drachim. They go put themselves unnecessarily. They go for expeditions to the North Pole. Why? <laughs> Just stay where you are. They, uh, and they put themselves in all kinds of business trips to the middle of nowhere with great da- personal danger. Those are things human beings do. Animals don't do that. 
Because they know there's a prophet, there's a goal, there's a commitment, there's passion, there's love, whatever it is that a human being does these crazy things for. You animals don't go for future benefits, right? The, yes, they're programmed to go on certain migrations. Yes, that's true. But they're not, they, that's, that's because they know there's water at the end of the thing and, 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 and this is the mating ground or wherever it is, right? But in the end of the day, human beings are the only ones who do this kind of thing. So he says that this is something which a human being has above an animal. That's the bechol moed. That's what a person will, will will give. Giving all those places they put themselves at risk for the sake of a greater ideal, like Kosh Baruch That doesn't explain why they're not the second paragraph. Now he says, all you're talking is it's a puzzle to say. He quotes the morning of Vuchim Shashkoch Apratis Einarak Bemedabrim. So he's saying, when it comes to Ashkocha Pratis, which is the first paragraph, that we individually have the love of Akash Baruch and will do things and put ourselves at risk to serve Akash Baruch, that's only with us individually. And as a greater hashkacha, that's not required. It's not required that an entire community put themselves into such into such uh, situations as well. Another possibility as to why bechol moedecha is not in the second paragraph is for the simple reason is that maybe it's not required. Or sorry, the, the way it's, uh, it's phrased is in the Gemara itself like this: the Gemara asks in that mission in brachas and says, "Wait a second. So you're telling me that a person needs to give up their life and then give up give up their money for Agosh Baruch so Gemara says, but that, that, that's, that doesn't make sense. If your life is supposed to be given up for HaKadosh Baruch under certain circumstances, then of course your money should be given up. The Torah doesn't need to say, B'chol Mo'edecha. So what does the Gemara say in Sanhedrin? <laughs> right, you know, it's like, it's, like the, it's like the fellow Jackie Mason says, you know, like the fellow says, your money or your life? And the guy doesn't answer, and then he says, and he, and he says, is, sir, I have a gun to your head, your money or your life? And he says, well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> right? So there's some people who have to make... What? Oh, there we go. I'm sorry. There we go. Okay. All these Jews. Okay. So, so in the end of the day, in the end of the day, I'm going to have to think about this. There are people, the Gemara says, that that there are people who care more about their money than their lives. And Horai, the people who have gone down for the sake of their money. What used to have it afterwards is not, not, not abundantly clear. But nonetheless, that, that's why the Torah addresses two people, two, two sets of people. Bechol Nafshecha people and the Bechol Moedecha people. And says, 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 says the Baruch Shomer of Rav Baruch HaLevi Epstein, the, the, um, the son of the Arach HaShokhan, in his commentary on the Siddur, he says, you can have Meshuggah individuals who will give up their, 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 their life for their money. And that's what they need to say, Bechol Moedecha. But communities know that you, most people, when in the second paragraph, there's no Bechol Moedecha. There's no need to say that. Because once you say Bechol Nafshechem, once you say all your, all your life, most people will know that your life is more important than money, and of course, money is included. That's, uh, that's another way of looking at this as well. Um, now, one th- something which is interesting is, is that we add in, in the most remarkable fashion, we add in a Pasuk which doesn't seem to fit into the Kriya Shema. If you go to Pasha's Vayas Chanan in the sixth Aliyah and you read where the Kriya Shema first paragraph comes in, it reads as follows. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad V'Avtas Hashem Elokeichah. Whoa, wait a second. Our Kriya Shema adds in a Pasuk in between. Baruch Shem Kuala Machu Where from? <coughs> Do we have the license? 
to add an extra psukim to the Torah? What happens if we feel there's something else profound? Do we put them between the paragraphs, in between psukim? We don't do that. So where does that come from precisely? The Gemara tells us in psukim very famously, <coughs> it's based on a story that happened. That in fact, the, the, what we read in Pasha's Vayishchanan, in fact, is actually the, uh, the second time in history that that paragraph was actually said. Why? Because the first time in history was actually in Pasha's Vayechi. In Pasha's Vayechi, Yaakov Inu is Noitel Amos, he's on his deathbed, he calls all his children around his deathbed, and he's about to, to say to them, I'm going to re- reveal to you the end of days. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And then the next passage is, Then he gives Reuven his blessing. So it sounds like he didn't get to that part of his, of the, of his statement. He doesn't tell them about the end of days. Some of Orshim say, if you read the brochus carefully enough, that is the end of days. Meaning to say, if you understand what he's saying to the Shot, and that's what's the end of the days. But most of Orshim assume, based on the Midrash, that he didn't get there. He wanted to say the end of days. He didn't. He only gave them the brochus. So why didn't he do that? So the, 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 it's a, the, the Midrash says very enigmatically, Nistal Kamimeno, it was taken away from him. He was not able to do that. Yaakov realized that he was not able to do this, and he says maybe the reason this is happening is because Shema Yesh Psul Maybe, like my father, and like my grandfather, there's somebody here who's not fitting. Aaron Vino had a Yishmael, he had the Bnei Keturah. Yeshok had Esav, and then he didn't have a, what's called a Mitah Shlema. He says, I was about to tell you what's happened to the end of the, uh, at the end of days, but I can't do it. There must be somebody around my bedside is not worthy of hearing this. And he was very concerned because that means to say that his entire life's work, which was cultivating and unifying all of his children at great personal expense and, and energy and pain and suffering, was not working. So he says to so he, that was his concern. The Bnei Yisrael then turned to him and say, and say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. They turned to him and they say, Shema Yisrael, who's Yisrael? Yaakov. So it's sent to him as an individual, not to the nation. As a Yisrael, our father, Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. Just like Hashem is one to you, He's one to us. Meaning there's no problem on our side. There must be another reason that you're not able to tell the end of days. At which point Yaakov was so elated by this that he says, Baruch Shem Kavod Ma'chusad He responded by saying, Baruch Shem Kavod Ma'chusad That was his response to this. So the Gemara says, so traditionally speaking, the first person to say the statement was Yaakov Avinu, immediately following the Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael not said to the nation, but said to him as an individual. So the Gemara says, what should we do now? When Moshe Rabbeinu wrote, wrote the statement in Parshas Vayeschanan, he just says Shema Yisrael, he leaves out the Baruch Shem. So what do we do? In deference to Moshe Rabbeinu, we should admit it. In deference to Yaakov Avinu, we should say it. Because we have both traditions. One is written, one is oral. Says, says the Gemara, that's why we say it in Bechashai. That's why we say it in a whisper. In deference to Yaakov Avinu, we say it, but we say it quietly in deference to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the way that, that it's said. These, both these two ideas, meaning to say the original format of it, now, that's, that, that's how the Gemara understands it. However, it's worthwhile knowing that many of the later Mephorshim said that the reason why we say it, Ibechashai, is because, again, it refers to reality which is not yet, a story which has not yet happened. We talk about in Baruch Shem Kavod Ed, the world which is to be, where the Kavod Malchus, the glory of his kingdom, is to be found upon earth. That's not 100% true. Uh, that, is not a, that is not the reality we look around us. You know, just, uh, just uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, a journalist was, was, was killed um, in, in, a, in a terrorist raid. And the entire world was at rage and people were demanding all kinds of investigations and Israel was tarred and feathered in the public. Do you know how I many journalists were killed in Ukraine in the last month and a half? Over 23 journalists were killed in Ukraine in the last month and a half. Did you see anything? Anything in the world? Did anybody even mention this? You can find it. If you, know, if you search it, you can find the different articles that maybe talk about it. Nobody's up in arms. 
we're still in a place where clearly Hashem's Malchus is not being recognized through Israel 100%. People, people will, will isolate us and criticize us and everything that happens is, where did the bullet come from? And maybe that's an example of the fact that we're, we're, we're special because they don't realize that they're indicating that we're special. But clearly the Kavod Malchusai is not, not in the world still, right? We're still the, the epicenter of criticism of everything that happens in the world. So we say it quietly. Which, where, when do we say Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusai aloud? Yom Kippur, when we're, we're, it's more aspirational, we're getting close to that. Or every day when we say it in Aramaic, in the Kaddish, which is Yesh Me That's the translation of Baruch Shem Kippur But we say it with Chashai because it's not yet the, the world. It's the, sort of the covered area of the world, which is why it's connected to the, the Shema itself. That's the, the hope. Every day we, we hope for something which is going to be better. Finally, one last, one last question, this is, and just to close because we're kind of coming to the end of our time, is the third paragraph of Kriyashma does not seem to be of the same, um, of this cut from the same cloth as the first two paragraphs, and in truth, maybe not. The third paragraph of the Kriyashma actually has a different function. What is the function, the primary function of the third paragraph of Kriyashma? Is Zeicher Yetzias Mitzrayim, remembering that we left Egypt. That's the mitzvah we need to do every day. How do we know that? Ben Zoma tells it to us. We read it in Agada, but it says the, the last mission in the first paragraph of Brachos. Ben, says, ben Zoma tells us that that we need to remember every day of your life. We need to remember the time we left Egypt. So, and the accompanying mitzvah over there is tzitzis. Why tzitzis? Because tzitzis actually, according to the Sefer Chinuch, as he points out, is the, the clothing would, that would be worn by slaves. And therefore, we are indicating that as we left, as we emerged from slaves from Egypt, we are now slaves of the Almighty. We're wearing his slave clothing to, to show our, our servitude to the Ribbon Shalana. If you take it back to relationships, it comes down to a very, fa- a very fascinating point. A number of years ago, I was in a Nefesh conference for, for therapists. I was a Smicha student at the time, but it was our marriage uh, um, therapy. It was a two day conference with John and Julie Gottman, um, some of the greatest ther- marriage therapists and researchers live out in Washington State, Jews, uh, very, uh, very interesting people. And one of the things they said is, is the following they deal with very difficult, difficult relationships. And, um, and, and giving therapy to people who are in very difficult times. And uh, the, these people are such great researchers that they, you know, John Gottman has the ability, after having an interview with, with people, he can tell with a 96% accuracy whether the couple's going to get divorced or, or stay, stay together. I mean, he's a very interesting person. He has grids of measuring things, and there's four, what he calls the four, the four riders of doom, which are sort of flags of what, what, what are bad, relationship, uh, bad relationships, things stonewalling, um, uh, he, has, he has a whole list of all, the, all these different things. He says the following. He says, one of the tests he does when he speaks to people in their relationship, and people, let's say people are in a very difficult situation. They come in, the, the relationship is just not working. It's not working. So he says, to, he says the following. He says, tell me how it was that you met. Right? So tell, like, tell me, bring me back to your first date. How did you guys ever meet first? So he says, there's two versions of how the story can go. The first version is, 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 like, is like, you know, the guy says, oh, you know, it's so funny. I, I completely forgot this. Yeah, I, I kind of picked a picture up. And you remember, I stepped in the puddle on the way and my sock, my right sock was wet the entire date. And she said, yeah, it was so funny because you, whenever we would walk, there would be a squelching sound as we walked along and we missed the subway train on the way back. And, and they started laughing. And they said, yeah, and you remember that we were supposed, we were, we were supposed to go there, but it was closed. And, and, they, and they start, you know, reminiscing about this thing and, the, and sort of the mood breaks and they can, they can get back into that zone. The other way that the, the story goes is, she says, she says, I can't believe it. You were wearing that green sweater. I was like so embarrassed. You arrived in my apartment. I can't, I can't even believe I allowed myself to go out with you. He says, well, he says, well, you weren't exactly a bunch of roses yourself. He says, you know, like, and, 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 and the sarcasm go, it trickles back even to the first experience. 
He says, when you have a first experience which is still protected, still has chayn, has, 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 has grace in it, you can fix the relationship by moving back to the earliest parts of the relationship which are still healthy <laughs> and moving outward from there. He says, but if the negativity has already permeated the first meeting, is that there's very little you can do for the relationship because that negativity is so, the anger, the scorn, the sarcasm goes back already to the, to the beginning. So in a certain sense, in the relationship piece, we have three paragraphs. We want to have a relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu. There has to be love. There has to be this unbelievable love. Hashem, you are overpoweringly positive in my life. Everything in my life adds up to you. And now that refer, relates to the fact that I have to get up every morning to go to Shachris. And the fact that I have to give Stocker. And the fact that I have to keep Shabbos. And all that stuff is part of the commitment of that relationship. And sometimes when the relationship isn't going so well, you know, I say, Hashem, I say, you know, I don't understand all of this, but I remember that we were, we, were, we were in Mitzrayim. And you took us out of Mitzrayim. You took us out of Mitzrayim. You loved us so much that you wanted us to be yours. So Hashem, you know what? I, I, you know, I, it might be complicated today. But I remember how we went back to the first, uh, to, to the beginning. I think that's what the, what, what's happening is the Zechia says in time. It's the building back of that relationship. And that's why perhaps it's the three, those three mitzvahs which carry us through the paragraphs. And they are Tvilin and Mezuzah, Kriyas, Torah and Mezuzahs. Because in a certain sense, you know, it's like the guy in the old days when people used to communicate. It wasn't just always texting, right? So imagine like, you know, a guy starts dating a girl and then they have to go to different continents. He's here, she's there, and there's no, and the phone, the phones are impossible to, to, to use. So they write each other letters. You know, one, a wonderful thing of, the, of yesteryear. So imagine he gets a letter from her. And, the, and, and, and so the first day, he, he just looks at it. He just puts it on his bedside table. He just looks at the letter. The second day, he opens it up. He doesn't read it yet. You know, this is so precious to him. The next day, you know, he smells the letter, right? The third day, he reads it. He reads the first paragraph. Then he reads the next paragraph. Then he puts it up on his fridge. Then he puts it in his wallet. And wherever he goes, he takes it. That's what Akash Baruch Hu says. That's what's happening in the Kriyashma. Is Akash Baruch Hu says, I'm giving you a letter. I love you so much. I'm far away. You don't always see me. It's not so easy to relate. But you know what? It's so precious to you. You know what we're going to do? We're going to strap it to our bodies. We're going to put it on our doorposts. Wherever we go, we're going to talk about it to our children. When we're walking on the way, when we're going to sleep. Because that's the love letter of Akash Baruch Hu. That's what the Kriyashma is. And if it doesn't work, we sometimes remember why this is all happening. Because Akash Baruch Hu took us out of inside. A lot to think about, a lot of appreciation that's deep, deep buried in the Kriyashma, something which we, requires reawakening every time we do it.